0: Some of you are about to get real excited right about now, because there is a new addition here that I am just noticing. There's a cricket somewhere. I believe he's outside, so I don't think there's anything I can really do about it. He's probably stuck in the window well, so he's probably not going anywhere for a while. So, uh, glorious day for some of you that have been around for a long time. Uh, There was a daily special guest um, that would appear... We've had some we've had some greats over the years. We had the ringtone, the dance parties. We had the cricket and uh, you know all all good things must come to an end. I got a new phone. Cricket probably died as as they do. You hear that? I don't know if you you probably can't hear that. Oh, I just went back and played it. You can definitely hear that. You might have to you might have, I don't know if you have to crank the speakers or what, but I could hear it pretty clearly. Um anyways, what is on the agenda today? That's not a bad question, actually. I kind of forgot. Let me check my notes. <laughs> what are we do today? So we got some general news and notes. Um, the heck was I gonna? There was. Where is the note? There was something I wanted to talk about. Oh, the depth chart. There it is. Now I it's right there, smack dab in the middle of the old notes. So the official depth chart—not, I mean, as, as official as it can be. It's—I it's, don't want to say meaningless, but uh, anyways, the depth chart is out and um, there are some interesting little tidbits on there that I wanted to touch on, so we'll be doing that. And then I believe in the second portion, we'll kind of go through the press conferences, which there's not a ton of notes there, as well as training camp, not a ton of notes there, because again, as we move on, I'm getting less and less interested with just general plays, right? I mean, there's I'm kind of more interested in larger narratives now. So it's the same with other training camps. If there's something that comes out that's pertinent, that we need to know, you know, Justin Fields is still looking good, according to Bears reporters. I don't need to keep telling you that every day that he's looking good, but you know, if, if things change, I'll bring it up, that kind of stuff. But I think we're we're deep enough into this where it's, okay, that's enough. Speaking of, Christian Derisaw, uh, the offensive tackle selected by the Minnesota Vikings, Will not participate in 11-on-11s today. He will likely be out for the first preseason game. So the NFC North, not really the Packers, kind of getting bit by the injury bug, especially the Bears, kind of the Vikings, a little bit the Lions, I guess a little bit the Packers. But so far, hopefully nothing serious. As far as Matt LaFleur said, I believe in the last podcast I mentioned, a couple weeks at the most for any of these guys. But these are, some, these are some big hitters, man. Christian Derrissaw is a real big deal for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, obviously a, a big prize. A lot of people loved him in the draft. I haven't really heard anything. Maybe he I don't know if he's been hurt this whole time, so we haven't seen or heard anything about it, but um, he's out. The Chicago Bears tackle that they drafted, they traded up for in the second round, thought to be a first-round prospect. He is also injured, and uh, just every day you get the note he's not coming back. We haven't seen him. I don't know where he is. This is not great. And to make matters even worse for the Bears, who are clinging to the hope that they're going to be a great football team, um, Allen Robinson is now hurt. Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson hamstring injury was a late scratch today. Now, you know, again, and I'm getting to the point where I'm saying this every day. the soft tissue things are just iffy. You never know. I mean, they're they're definitely downplaying it. As far as we know, he could be back tomorrow. It might have just been some tightness, and they're like, let's just let's just have you sit out. Um, but even tightness, you know, I mean, even I've had that as a non-athletic person, you know, where it's just kind of tight and you're kind of walking around and it just doesn't really go away. I mean, they're not going to be like, well, okay, it's just tightness, go play. No, you, now you're going to tear it. Tightness could take a while to get out. So it's it's not even necessarily just, I mean, and, and not that I would expect tightness to go on until the regular season, but you get what I'm saying. It's not just a matter of injury. It's a matter of potential injury. We don't even want to risk it. So um, something else to keep an eye on as the injury bug continues to bite the bears. And I kind of said this before, I'm going to reiterate it. Um, I think the Bears need to be where the Lions are. If the Bears took the tact of saying, we're going to be real good in the future, I just don't think we're quite there yet. I think I'd be 100% on board with that. Obviously, Justin Fields is the big question mark here, but he's looking promising. You know, we got to kind of cool it with giving away all our draft picks so that we can continue to draft players to come in and and do all this. Great, right? But they're really clinging to the hope that they're going to be great this year. Like they do every year, and it's like, guys, I'm, I really want to agree with you. There's just, there's just no way, dude. There's no way. And and I I thought they should have done what the Lions did essentially, and kind of do a little mini tear down and rebuild. But the Bears, and, and again, I, I've talked about this before, but the reason they didn't do that is because the Lions had a new regime, and so they're encouraged to tear down and rebuild the way that they wanted. Otherwise, why do we bring you in here if you're just going to run what the other people did? the head coach and GM are on the verge of getting fired. You can't, they're they're not allowed to do a teardown and rebuild. Even if in the back of their mind, they're thinking we probably should just scrap this and start over. They can't. If they try, they're doomed because they're on a short leash. They're basically saying you get one more year, prove that you can do this. Well, if you do a two or three year rebuild, that ain't going to work. So we have to make it work this year. And again, these are the things that are going to damage you, and these are why sometimes teams do things that are not super smart. It's not always that they're just dumb and they don't know any better. It's that they do know better, but they don't really have a lot of great options. Is it in, is, is this course of action in the best interest of the Chicago Bears for the long-term future? No. But the two guys in charge of this team are not interested necessarily in the long-term future. They're interested in their own long-term future. So, But again, I mean, things are positive. No question about it. For the Bears, things are looking up. For the Lions, they got a long way to go, but you can at least see a path. I'm not bought into this head coach at all, but we'll see what happens with that. The Vikings are just, they're kind of similar to where the Bears are, just in terms of, you can see half the team ascending, but you also, it's crumbling really rapidly. The age of the team, um, the head coach is on thin ice for some reason. I, I think he's a good coach, but it seems like they want him out. And your quarterback is a massive, I mean, when he's gone, what do you got? I mean, outside of like Daniil Hunter, I can't look at any one person and be like, this is who you build a team around. Everybody that's like dominant, oh, Justin Jefferson. Everybody else that's like dominant is like 30. The linebackers are getting old. The safeties are getting old. Your your corners are garbage. Offensive line still isn't fixed. Oh, you do have uh, Dalvin. But in, in running back years, especially injured running back years, he's he's like 32 years old right now. Tight end, I mean, eh. I'll give you eh. So I don't know. If I, I guess what I'm saying is, if I had to buy into a team that's going to be the best team in, let's say, three years, not including the Packers, I might throw my money at the Bears. But I mean, it's 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 really it's iffy. I just I don't know because it's dependent on a lot of factors, and I just don't have a lot of faith in any of these any of these three teams to really do the right thing. But anyways, so again, injuries are popping up, and so far so good for the Packers. I'm sure more of them are going to come down the pike, but so far. Minus a couple minor tweaks, seem things seem to be okay and on track. All right, so let's take a look at this depth chart. Now, the Packers put out their first, um, again, officially unofficial depth chart. It's official, but it, it's not reflective of exactly what's going to happen on week one. Um, and some of this, I mean, I, I think at first I was kind of shocked by the offensive line, but if you interject the what we know about this team, and, and probably most teams, that they're going to give respect generally to veterans um, unless it's a clear-cut thing like Josh Myers, which to be honest, I mean, there's really no veteran centers on the team outside of Elton who's not going to be playing center. But outside of a couple minor things like that, they're mostly just letting the veterans keep their job. In other words, it's a big, I guess what I'm saying is it's a big deal to demote somebody in place of a rookie. So I think some people might be shocked. For example, you've got, uh, where is he? Amari Rodgers is two, four, six, like seventh or eighth on this list. That doesn't mean he's going to be seventh or eighth, but it would be kind of a big deal for Amari to leapfrog, let's say, Randall Cobb or Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez scantling or even Devin Funches for that matter. It's one of those things where it's like, we're just not ready because it's not even so much about the promotion, it's about the demotion. It's real bad if Lazard, for example, was put behind Amari Rodgers. That may end up happening. But it's just too early for that kind of stuff. So when you factor that in, that they're kind of just letting letting these things sort themselves out. There's there's a few things that are surprising, but for the most part, not so much. So again, the offensive line right now: David Bakhtiari, and they're not including injury, obviously. So that's a duh. Elton Jenkins at left guard is expected. Josh Myers at center is a, at least a good sign because it doesn't have to be this way. Um, I mean, Corey Lindsay would be a bad example because if Corey was here, obviously he'd be second string. Would. There are probably other situations where if Josh wasn't on point or if we had a, a veteran, let's just say a guy like, I don't know, what's it? maybe Lucas Patrick, maybe. Let's, let's say it was a second round guard. I think he would be behind Lucas Patrick right now, but I don't know. So again, anyways, it's, it's partly because he's... Ready for the job, but also partly because the competition at center right now is just not there. Uh, Lucas Patrick is still the starting right guard as of this moment, but there's a heavy competition at guard between Lucas Patrick, Ben Braden, and John Runyon. And then Billy Turner still at right tackle. Um, the other one that kind of surprised me, and again, until I inserted my own rule, was Royce Newman as third team. So, second team, I guess I'll just go through Yash Nijman as a left tackle. I, you know, we'll see. Uh, John Runyon, left guard. Jake Hansen at center. Ben Braden at right guard. Dennis Kelly at right tackle. So when I looked at it from that lens, it's hard for him to take anybody's spot. For example, Yash Najman, who is somewhat of a veteran on this team, although, you know, hasn't been super productive. And Dennis Kelly is a guy that, I mean, legitimately could start this year. We'll see how that pans out. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case but he could legitimately start. It would be kind of a big deal for Royce to start over him. Now, again, if Royce was a stud, he'd be in the second team. Like if he was just blowing people away at guard or tackle, they'd find a spot for him. But because he's not, and because he's still sort of seen as developmental, we're just going to leave this this way, and then we'll just keep working on Royce. So you got a bunch of guys that, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of just saying it because I don't want everyone to be super down and say they're a bust, but um, John Dietzen, Royce Newman, Cole Van Lannon. Uh, These guys are all third team, along with Capra, uh, Zach Johnson, Koi Kronk. So again, nothing super crazy there, pretty much expected. I think most people, again, if you insert the rule that I put ahead, would have given a depth chart almost exactly like this, with a few questions as far as like, where does Royce go, tackle or guard or any of these guys, because the Packers like versatility. Um, Tight end, very straightforward. Robert Tunyon, number one, uh, along with Mercedes Lewis. So they do list two tight ends. I don't know if they did that last year. But that's kind of cool, right? In other words, the Packers view this as, we're a two tight end team. I like that. Uh, Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon are first team. Josiah Deguara, Jay Sternberger, second team. And then Dominique Daphne, Brown, Brandon Kalfusi, Isaac Nauta, and Daniel Crawford are all third team. Again, very straightforward. Maybe some people, based on reports out of camp, would have been a little high on Daphne or Kalfusi or Nauta. But, you know, again, putting them over Jace is, is kind of unlikely. And it might just be that they're differentiating between the styles because you got Mercedes Lewis, Josiah Aguara, and maybe the big boys over here, and then Tunyon and Jace, the receivers down here. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, quarterback, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Kurt Benkert, nothing crazy there. Running back, not crazy either. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and then third team is Dexter, Taylor, and Hill. Some people are making kind of a big deal that Dexter was the first one listed in the third team. I don't know how much that exactly means and if the reports mean anything i really don't think dexter is the top guy here in terms of the packers if you were to ask the the packers coaching staff first of all who do you think is going to get that number 3 job and who is looking the best and all those kinds of questions i don't think dexter is going to be on top so i think when you get into third team not that they're maybe a little bit you know ranking them but i think it's at least to the point where they can say let's give dexter the, the spot because he's been here the longest, Patrick Taylor at the second spot because he's been here the second longest, and Kylan's brand new, so we'll put him at the bottom. I don't think we need to read too much more into it other than we'll just go by seniority. Wide receiver is the one that kind of surprised me a little bit. So they've got two wide receivers listed. They don't have a slot spot on here, but Devontae Adams and MVS were first team, and that kind of surprised me. I would have bet it was Alan Lazard. Now, the reports have been pretty solid out of out of camp, and again, maybe it's more of a specific designation, where just the style of receiver kind of thing. I, I don't know. I mean, they do have the slot guys down on the bottom, kind of. So I, I It just surprised me a little bit. Um, technically, MVS did outsnap snap Alan Lazard, but Alan Lazard was out for a long time. But if you look at, I think I did the math, and then um, it's not in my notes for some reason, but they basically had about the same snaps per game. But if you look down the stretch... The uh, game against Tampa Bay, MVS had 46 snaps, and Alan Lazard had 58. If you look at the game against LA, MVS had 36, Alan Lazard had 54. Um, Against Chicago, 22 for MVS, 36 for Alan Lazard. So all the way back to, I think Chicago was the last one? No, no, I just said maybe it was the last Chicago. Which one was it? So Detroit... MVS had one more snap than Alan Lazard did. So, down the stretch, there's no question Alan Lazard was utilized a lot more than MVS was. Um, I mean, he graded out a lot higher than MVS did. Pretty much everything. Um, I mean, I understand that, uh, that MVS had more yards, but uh, 838 yards compared to 609, and MVS had quite a bit more games. So let's see, I'm doing this live now. He had 46, MVS had 46 yards per game. Lazard had 50.75. So Lazard had more yards than MVS if you factor in the games played. If you look at Alan Lazard's touchdowns, he had four. If you extrapolate that over the 18 games that MVS played, it would be six compared to seven. So MVS would have one more touchdown than Alan Lazard. So in just about every way, we know he's a better blocker. He was graded as a much better receiver, um, yards per game was much higher. Again, I'm just a little surprised that MVS is ahead of Alan Lazard here. But again, the reports are coming out that he's looking real good, and um, maybe they are going to lean into MVS a little bit more. I don't know. But again, that one that one surprised me. To be fair, though, I don't know where MV- MVS might have been listed ahead of Lazard on there. I didn't usually use their depth chart. I use our lads or something else. So maybe they had the same thing last year and nothing's going to change. I don't know the answer to that question. By the way, I believe today, as far as what you're listening to right now, is Thursday. So two days till Packer time. That's crazy. Um, If we look over to the defensive side of things now, you've got uh, the defensive line. Not overly shocking. I will say it's just a, a good sign to see Kingsley Kiki here. So it's Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, and Kingsley Kiki. As far as what else could it possibly be, it could have been Tyler Lancaster. I know he's not the most popular guy in the world, but again, Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster got a ton of work over the last year. And, um, you know, with Kiki kind of being up and down and, and them leaning on Tyler more than I think a lot of people would have expected, it was, it was the only thing that was kind of lingering as like a, I hope it's it's Kiki. And it is, so I'm happy to see it. Second team has Tyler Lancaster behind Dean Lowry, TJ Slayton behind Kenny Clark at nose tackle, and then Jack Heflin behind Kingsley Kiki. That's uh, not that there's a ton of competition for Jack Heflin, but it is a little surprising because it's not a name that you hear about a lot. I think if you would have just asked me who I would have thought would go there, I would probably have said Willington Pavilion just by the fact that I know his name more than I, more than I know Jack Heflin, but good for him for um, being second team right now. And then you got Pavilion, Josh Avery, and Carlo Kemp in the third team. Um, Outside linebackers, it's still Zedarius and Preston. Kind of was hoping Rashawn was going to take that. But I think it's, I I mean, I I, I think it is somewhat of a respect thing. Because again, it is a big deal to say, Preston, you lost your job. If, even if they're looking at Rashawn like this guy's a freak and we're going to, it's going to be a process of slowly giving Rashawn more snaps, slowly taking away from Preston, if they even do it. Because last year we thought it was going to happen, and they just kept pressing on there, even though Preston, <laughs> Preston was not as good. So it is Preston and Zedary. Second team is Rashawn Gary and Mr. Jonathan Garvin. Third team, Tipa Galea, Chauncey Rivers, and Delonte Scott. Inside linebacker is pretty locked up, which I'm surprised about, but I guess at least happy about because they talked about last year it was fluid and we didn't have a lot of time for evaluation. We'll see if things change, but it sounds like they're very locked into this. Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell are your first team inside linebackers. Um, Oren Burks and Ty Summers are second team. Kamal Martin, Ray Wilborn, Dejon uh, Harris, and Isaiah McDuffie, third team. Little upset I haven't heard a single word about Isaiah McDuffie. I don't know if he's heard or what the deal is, but I have not, like, not a single tweet, nothing. Cornerbacks is Jair and Kevin King. So Kevin King did not lose his spot to Eric Stokes again. Well, first of all, if the season did start today, it would be Kevin King. So it's not just a respect thing. Um, Eric Stokes has not earned that spot. Um, but just for those of you who were hoping that Stokes was just automatically, as soon as we drafted him, penciled in as the number two, as I said, I don't think that's going to be the case. And so far, that absolutely isn't. Now, if Kevin King remains injured, we don't have a choice. You know, if, if Eric Stokes really starts to break out, maybe. But I still think, at best, they're going to split carries early. I just, I think it's going to be a while. So if you're if you're really excited about Stokes starting right away, just calm down. <laughs> And, and the biggest reason, again, that I'm saying that is because I know a whole lot of people are going to be screaming bust if he's not starting. Another miss by Gutekunst, another cornerback wasted, duh, duh, duh. and maybe that's true, but we don't know at the conclusion of week one. Uh, third team, we got Kadar Holman, Shamar Jean-Charles, that's Jean-Charles, Stanford Samuels, Josh Jackson, and KBN Ento. Again, nothing crazy about that. Um, If you assume that Jair and Kevin are number one and Chandon, who is going to be a starter, and Eric Stokes are going to be number two, what else? I don't don't know how many other combinations that you could possibly come up with this. Um, Again, I told you Chandon has basically won that job, at least for now. And um, maybe you could have had Eric Stokes lower, but again, there's there's no way he's a first-round pick. They're not going to put him on the third team behind, you know... Kadar Holman or something, who, by the way, I've heard very little about. I think today I think I have a note about Holman, and I was just thinking that's... Because I thought right before that note, I have not seen a single thing about Kadar. And then I saw a note today, and I was like, oh, there it is. Safeties, uh, Amos and Savage, are first team, Will Redmond, Henry Black, are second, which shouldn't be too surprising because they've been standing out a lot. Some people maybe would have thought something different because there's been a ton of notes on guys like Ennis Gaines, a couple of good notes up by Christian Uphoff. Another guy that I've heard nothing about is Vernon Scott. Just haven't heard a single note about Vernon Scott. Maybe there's been one, and I just don't remember. But anyways, Scott, Uphoff, and Gaines are our third team. Special teams, again, nothing super surprising until you get to the returners. Hunter Bradley, J.K. Scott, and Mason Crosby make up the uh, kick, punt, snap routine. First team punt returner, Amari Rodgers. So that's kind of cool. You got Amari Rodgers, first-team punt return. Kylan Hill, first-team kick return. Backing up Amari Rodgers on punt return is Randall Cobb, which I'm not going to lie, I would be pretty excited about that. He was a dynamic returner, and I don't think he's going to... I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to be as prominent of a wide receiver this year. So maybe you could use him on special teams, although he's probably not as dynamic of a returner. But anyways, um, Amari Rodgers is the backup kick returner. Third team punt returner is Josh Jackson. Third team kick returner is Chandon Sullivan. It's kind of cool because even though we're dealing with three guys, we basically completely revamped our kick return unit. Um, special teams, as we know, was a problem. And the fact that our basically our starting punt returner and kick returner are now third team, that's not a bad thing. So uh, that's about it, man. That's all I got for you. At least, uh, you know, in this segment. Uh, thank yous. We don't have any new donations to the Palmer home. I did post a link for anybody that wanted to keep track of the leaderboard. Um, I am still currently in sixth place. I need to be in the top five. Um, I was down by about 40 bucks, but the money keeps pouring in and these guys aren't messing around. They want to go hang out with Malcolm pretty bad. I can see. So I'm down like 270, 271 to be exact. So, if anybody would like to give to the Palmer Home for Children, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, if you want to just kind of sit on that for a while, so that we will not keep scaring these guys to, you know, rack up more money, that's completely fine as well. But uh, again, this is going to a charity that uh, houses children in need, so it's a fantastic charity. The goal was twenty thousand dollars. We're at almost twenty-four thousand dollars all told. So, um, pretty exciting to be able to uh, be able to help out. As for the Patreon, uh, Vince Kelly, thank you very much for jumping in and supporting the Packernet Podcast on Patreon. Again, I don't really... I don't think we're going to reach the goal. I was taking a look, and again, there are a lot of people who do the yearly donations, which is great, but once that year comes around, I think it's a very high cancel rate, and a real big yearly donation month is coming up next month, so I think we're going to lose a lot of patrons, but we are still going to do the giveaway of a Green Bay Packers ticket. Tickets to the actual game I'm going to give away to you if we can get to 300 patrons. We are 66 patrons away. In the last, I think, 30 days, over 24,000 people have listened to the podcast. I think we can find 66 people who are like, fine, here's a buck. If 66 people say, here's a buck, I'm buying Packers tickets. Just throwing it out there. Also, uh, the fantasy football um, thing, whatever... I just opened that up to everybody that is in the Aaron Rodgers tier. Tomorrow I'm going to be opening that up to uh, the Charles Woodson tier, which is a big group of people. There are 24 people, so we may not get out of this tier. So I will um, probably post the second link to the second fantasy football group to this tier and see if they can just fill it up, and we might just be done at that. So if you want to get in, you need to be paying attention to tomorrow, and I will try to put a, a link on t- Twitter and Facebook just alerting you guys that um, it went live. There's a link, so go join, um, because it's going to fill up, and I can't promise you a spot. Again, there's, I think, maybe around 15 spots available, and again, there's 24 people in this tier. Obviously, not everybody wants to play fantasy football, but just be aware of that. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come back. We'll look at what happened with training camp, etc, etc. et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okalee Um Matt LaFleur kicking it off. First of all, Packers coach Matt LaFleur says, there's the notes that I was looking for. Packers coach Matt Lafleur says Oren Burks and Ty Summers have been progressing on defense. They remain core special teamers. However, quote, "Those guys have definitely been major players for us on special teams, so it may just be the special teams thing that kind of locked them into that number two spot. I don't know, but there you go." Matt Lafleur said Patrick Taylor has looked so good after a year off. Praises studying habits. quote, "You should see his notebook." unquote, "As it's almost as detailed as the quarterback, so." We've heard a lot of really good things about the running backs, but particularly Patrick Taylor has been praised about his mind, how intelligent he is, how much he knows stuff, how much he studies, and that's going to do him a lot of good. Because on this team, if you want to be on the field, you have to be, I mean, you you just you have to know everything. You have to be intelligent. That's like step number one. From there, we'll figure out the rest. Matt LaFleur on new inside linebacker Devondre Campbell, quote, he's pretty good-looking specimen. That's weird. Uh, he's tall and long and can cover. He also says Campbell has good instincts, uh, quote, those are tough to coach, and quote, he's very slippery, unquote, in pass coverage. So I hate to be that guy, <laughs> but I just, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, the, so aside from complimenting his looks, the first thing he says substantively is that he can cover. Now, I know some of you couldn't care less about what PFF has to say, but according to PFF, no, he cannot. His uh, grades in coverage since 2016, 59, 68, 50, 41, and 51. So he did have a 68 at one point, but he's graded very poorly. I can give you the stats, but they're kind of meaningless because there's no context behind it. But uh, let's see, last year with the Arizona Cardinals, he was in coverage 476 times Gave up 411 yards, one touchdown, no picks, three pass breakups, 97.7 passer rating when targeted. I mean, you know, whatever. It's not like there's a lot of linebackers that can cover anyway, so he's he's probably pretty average. And if you look at Oren Burks, Chris Barnes, Christian Kirksey, and Ty Summers in their grades, he's significantly better. The only one he's not better than is Kamal Martin, but apparently he's an idiot and should be an outside linebacker or something. I don't know. I I don't know. But Ty Summers had a 39 coverage grade. Christian Kirksey was a 44. Chris Barnes is a 42. The notion that he's this really good, quick coverage guy is silly. I mean, it's he's it's quite bad. Oren Burks, who also is supposed to be a coverage guy, had a 30 overall grade. He's worse than everybody else. So the highest of everybody not named Kamal Martin is a 44. So yeah, I'll take uh, Devondre Campbell's 51 overall grade, despite the fact that that's still a bad grade. Says he has good instincts, which is fine. Um, and then he says he's very slippery in pass rush. Now the problem with this note is is that I can actually look at the pass rush. Um, He had this past year six pressures on 55 attempts. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's over 10%. You said that's pretty good. No, that's pretty good for an outside linebacker or a defensive tackle. Linebackers have extremely high numbers. When they go after the quarterback, they get home much more often, which makes me wonder why you don't see more linebacker blitzes, because getting home like one-third or one-quarter of the time is extremely common with linebackers. So for example, if we look at Kamal Martin, he had four pressures, but only 16 attempts. That's 25%. Uh, Christian Kirksey was at 15%. Again, not all that impressive, but still better than Devondre Campbell. Let's see what his exact percentage was here. 10.9. So even at, as, as an outside linebacker, that's not that good. Uh, Chris Barnes had five pressures on 17 attempts. That's 29%. Um Oren Burks, zero out of eighteen. so that's that's quite bad so Oren Burks I don't I hate to be mean, but there is nothing that this guy does that doesn't seem just terrible i don't I don't know how else to say that. so anyways apparently Devondre campbell is is really slippery as a pass rusher except his stats are really bad for a linebacker um even on this team, which isn't really known for blitzing linebackers pretty much everybody has a higher rate with the exception of Oren Burks but I mean, we don't really know what his, he hasn't registered a pressure yet. So we don't, we don't know. So again, I hate to be that guy, but it just, you know, again, when when I'm looking at something and, uh, you know, I'm looking at a picture that's clearly blue and they keep telling me it's red. It's like, you know, I know it's, you're tired of hearing it, but that's freaking blue. And so, you know, some of this stuff, like he has great instincts. I have to defer to him on that. But again, coverage, granted, all I really have is grades and a lot of people don't like that, but PFF doesn't like his coverage ability. But pass rush is the one, the only one I can check out for sure. And I know that that's not correct. Now, maybe there's certain things that Matt LaFleur likes about his ability. He understands concepts and stuff. But look, on on some level, and maybe this is a blind spot for the Packers, kind of similar to drafting guys with high athleticism, seems to be somewhat of a blind spot where they're put too much emphasis on that as opposed to just finding really good football players and whatnot. But maybe their focus on intelligence is way too high. Because I I think there are a lot of guys who maybe don't fully get it that are really good football players and probably should get a little bit more time on the field. And I understand you run a very, I mean, football in general is very cerebral. And, you know, again, not understanding your assignment can, can sink the whole ship. But I don't want really good football players sitting on the bench and subpar free agents coming in because, you know, they could write a textbook on how to be a linebacker. That's great. I mean, Mike McCarthy from a really cerebral standpoint, would make an unbelievable linebacker. Unfortunately, probably not a real good actual linebacker. Matt LaFleur, for that matter, probably a really, really good wide receiver. Not great actual wide receiver, though. And so I think guys like Devondre Campbell are really liked by guys like Matt LaFleur because Devondre Campbell is probably really intelligent. And he knows exactly what's asked of him. He knows exactly where he's supposed to be. But he just, he just doesn't do the job all that well. Anyways, final note on that. NFL rules emphasis on taunting may have hogged all the oxygen in the room yesterday, but Packers coach Matt LaFleur says the biggest impact from a rules change emphasis will no doubt be the cut blocking bands outside the tackle box, Says it will have a huge impact on play. I do kind of want to talk to uh, Coach about that. He's been very busy Um with his football stuff. I did send him an article. I want to kind of pick his brain once he gets done reading it, but, um, I get what they're saying, but you know, if there's something that you as a coach are coaching your guys to do and possibly using as a, like basically a technique and the NFL just takes that away I mean, that could have serious implications for a team, and you can understand why Matt LaFleur would say this is the most significant. He he may have heard that rule and just said, dude, what are we going to do? I mean, you might have entire plays designed around stuff like that. I mean, the, the only benefit is that everybody is impacted the same way, but not always to the same degree, depending on how often you utilize that, you know, whether you want to call it a loophole or just something that used to be allowed. Anyways, moving on to Mr. Oren Burks. None of these guys I had a ton of notes for, but Packers inside linebacker Oren Burks says he wants to change the culture on special teams. Makes that a difference-making part, make that a difference-making part of the game. Kind of talked about it. It sounds like there is an emphasis on that. I mean, it seems like every year we say they're putting an emphasis on special teams and then they throw all the, you know, practice squad guys, basically, you know, the guys who just made it out of the practice squad because they're special teamers. And those guys make up the special teams, and then the special teams isn't good. But again, revamped returners, and you got guys going to the podium talking about how important it is. At least, it sounds like they're preaching it a lot. We'll see if it changes or not. Oren Burks asked how he feels as a linebacker. Quote, I think it's growing. I'm feeling extremely confident this year. He knows special teams is his ticket, but he's constantly focused on the defensive part of his game as well. So nothing super telling there, but that was his answer. Reggie Bagleton just had one note. Packers wide receiver Reggie Begleton, who has worked a ton with Jordan Love this offseason on second year quarterback growth, quote, in his reads, he's a lot quicker in recognizing defenses. He understands where receivers are supposed to be, and honestly, he does a good job. He's doing good. So yes, my one quote on Begleton was about love, but um, you know, what what do you want to know about Begleton? Let's be honest about this. Ty Summers went to the podium. Packers inside linebacker Ty Summers on changing the culture on special teams. Quote, it starts with mentality. If you look at our rankings last year they were not good so the only way to go is up again coming talking about special teams um Ty Summers says Packers special teams coordinator Maurice Strayton is quote wired all the time with his guys I don't know if he's ever tired and if he is he fakes it really good so we heard um heard the defensive coordinator talk about that and the importance of that and it sounds like it's permeating through a lot of these coaches there's a lot of energy I'm sure the offensive and defensive linemen are maybe not running around as much, or I mean the coaches, but uh, probably still some energy there. Patrick Taylor uh, hasn't played a game since 2019 Cotton Bowl. He said he had butterflies before family night. So again, kind of like Jordan Love, that was kind of cool. Hopefully we get to see a lot of... You know, the focus is going to be on Jordan Love. I'm kind of to the point, I don't... I just... I'm more excited about other positions. Um. Let me finish this note, this last note on Patrick Taylor, and then we'll talk about that because we are getting close to our first preseason game. Patrick Taylor said he came back too soon from the foot injury at Memphis, took the short-term solution in hopes of boosting his draft stock. Instead, he had another round of surgery after the 2020 Combine spent his rookie year on IR. So that was his whole path. Anyways, the the focus for this first preseason game is largely on... Um, Jordan Love and what he's going to be able to do. I'm kind of to the point now where I'm just not as interested in that. Um, partially because based on the reports we're hearing, it sounds like we're going to see a lot of what we're getting in training camp, which is inconsistency. I, I feel confident enough based on comments from the coaches, based on um, things we've seen in training camp. I My expectation for Jordan Love is to look good in spots and look bad in spots, right? So Uh, you know, work your way down the field, great drive, and then throw an interception in the end zone or whatever, which, by the way, is something that annoyed me with his tape, uh, his final year in college, 2018 or whatever it was, 2019, I don't know, 2019 it would have been. Uh, That was actually the reason I called him Mitch Trubisky, because he looked brilliant, he looked amazing as he was working his way down the field. And then there would just be that one pass after this great or perfectly orchestrated drive. There's just a pass that's like, dude, after all that, come on, man. So that's kind of what I'm expecting. And plus, he's not going to be playing this year, hopefully. So, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to see him, but I also kind of have, I don't want to say low expectations, but I I think it's obvious that he's still working through some stuff. So even if he has a really good day, I'm going to be happy about it, but I know that he's not ready. Even if he has a bad day, I'm not going to be happy about it, but I'm also not going to freak out about it, right? Now, as we get closer to game day, um, I'm going to go over some stats on that, but not as interested. I want to see a few other guys. Offensive line, as I've said, it, it's that's going to be more of a, we'll see what PFF has to say and some of the other announcers or whatever, the coaches. I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch, other than if they mess up and let a sack through or something, I'll probably see that. But I want to see you know, reports about Jace have been really solid. I want to see if he looks good in the preseason. Does Josiah play? And if he does, what are they doing with him and how does he look? Little Randall Cobb action. Obviously, Amari Rogers. I want to see some craziness and I want to see some big plays. But maybe more than anything, I want to see the running backs. You know, again, maybe A.J. Dillon touches the ball a little bit. We know Aaron Jones won't, but Dexter, Patrick Taylor, and Kylan Hill. And, And again, Dexter's my guy, man. I really like Dexter Williams, but I don't I just don't think it's going to be his job. I hope it is, but I don't think it is. But a lot of good things we've heard about Patrick Taylor and Kylin Hill. And it's not impossible I mean, it's one of those positions where, you know, some other position, like if it was edge rusher or left tackle or quarterback, if it's a seventh round pick, you know, cornerback, it's like, come on, the odds that this guy is a stud are close to zero. Running back is not one of those positions. Now, you know, being the next Christian McCaffrey or whatever, probably not so much. But a legit player, like Aaron Jones being, what was he, a fifth-round pick? Certainly not impossible. So I I am a little bit excited to see what these guys can do. Um, Very excited about T.J. Slayton. Don't really expect the pass rush, as I've been saying, since forever. Now watch, T.J. Slayton's going to get a sack in this game, and everyone's going to blow me up. I told you. And guess what? I'm not going to budge an inch on that if he gets a sack. Uh, Kingsley, if he plays, it'd be good to see what he's doing. And obviously the pass rushers, I don't know if many of them are going to be playing. there. I'll get to the injury report in a little bit, but it sounds like Rashawn has been dealing with some stuff. He's out again. They probably just hold him out of that game. Uh, Zadarius, very unlikely to play, so um, probably won't be as excited. You might have Preston going, but maybe not. Otherwise, it's going to be a whole lot of Delonte Scott, Tipa Galea, and Chauncey Rivers. Maybe even get Kamal Martin out there because we got more linebackers inside than we do outside um so maybe it'd be a good spot for him to rotate it's kind of like i think it was joe barry or maybe it was mike smith saying it's more about um just opportunities you know we don't have a lot of opportunity at inside linebacker right now and we got some openings at outsides so we're like hey we got nothing for you to do over here why don't you go hang out with them for a while and then obviously eric stokes right i i know jair is good he probably won't even play kevin's probably hurt um you know shamar and stokes i'm i'm stoked about I'll, I'll do the stupid joke. I'm stoked. So a lot to be excited about. Um, again, Jordan Love, I am excited to watch him. I hope he has a real good outing. I'm going to get excited for him either way, but it's just, it's, it's, as time has gone on, as much as that's been like the biggest thing that I'm the most excited about, my excitement for that has just kind of waned a little bit. Anyways, let's rip through some of these notes here. General team notes. No Aaron Rodgers at practice today. Scheduled veteran rest day per team spokesman. Packer, Packers are not in full pads today and effectively going through a walkthrough pace. Practice lasted one hour and 13 minutes. Um, other guys that were out, Rogers, Lewis, Preston, Smith, all got veteran days off. Devontae Adams looks like he's being held out for some stuff too. Hopefully that's not a big deal. Darius Smith and Kingsley Kiki going through some work. Haven't seen Darius in camp. He's worked indoors, so those guys are working through some stuff. Gary is back on the sideline because of a groin injury again. Quarterback notes, Hackett working closely with Love on his footwork and quarterback drills. We know this is an area of emphasis for him. Nice toss by Love to Cobb in the end zone who makes a diving catch. Only Cobb had a chance to catch that one. Wide receiver notes, Amari Rogers has one heck of a catch radius for a 5'9 receiver. Fantastic diving catch by Amari Rogers and an out route from Love. The kid's athleticism pops off the field a few times every practice. Final note, Funchess limped off earlier but is back in. So Funchess dealing with something a little bit. Running back notes, A.J. Dillon lining up wide, as was Patrick Taylor on a separate rep, so they're starting to get those guys a little bit of receiver work. Tight ends, Uh, is in the backfield on a few occasions to start. Definitely seeing more of Isaac Nauta than what I did two weeks ago when camp started. Just great to see DeGuara out here again in the backfield slot in line. He's all over, and again, that's what I think is exciting about DeGuara, and I think that's what the team is excited about, is that he's so versatile, and it really opens up your playbook to have a versatile guy like that. Offensive line, starting offensive lineman Jenkins, Runyon, Myers, Patrick, and Turner. Braden then subbed in at left guard with the ones. Braden, Patrick, and Runyon continued to rotate. Runyon now in at center with the twos. Packers have been doing a similar cycling with Patrick. Patrick and Turner create a nice hole for Dylan to run through on the right side. One edge note today, Jonathan Garvin, Tipa Galea, and TJ Slayton. A couple young guys getting a chance up front on defense with the ones, with Gary Z. Smith and Clark out right now. At defensive tackle, Slayton out with the first team inside defensive line again with Clark out and Kiki on uh, NFI list. Lancaster and Lowry are with him. Jerry Montgomery working with the IDL group, that's interior defensive line group, on having active hands. Slayton told reporters yesterday this was a big area of emphasis for him, quote, getting vertical with his hands coming out of his hips. Very weird phrase, but okay. Linebackers, Joe Barry spending his time with the inside linebackers today for position drills. Uh, linebacker groups seem pretty well defined. First team is Campbell and Barnes, second team Burks and Summers. Again, I mentioned that earlier. Campbell busts through the line to make a play in the backfield. So there's Devondre being sneaky in the backfield again, like he apparently does all the time. I don't know. One cornerback note, nice pass breakup by Holman on Tompkins along the sideline. Again, there was that one note that I was talking about that I haven't seen. But other than that, I got nothing. No special teams. It was Apparently a pretty light day, or the uh, it was a veteran rest day for the uh, reporters. Possibly, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know there are a lot of creators up there right now. It's it's a big party. I'm a little sad that I wasn't invited. Everybody decided to go up there to, together. Nobody wanted to mention it to me. Granted, I would have said no anyways, but it still hurts that they didn't ask. <laughs> but uh, you got the uh, who is up there? Nagler's up there. You've got the. Uh, uh, Tyler, their social guy. The Pack's What She Said, ladies. Underage Packer Podcast, uh, fellas. I was going to say kids, but that sounds like I'm being disparaging. So I'll say fellas. There are a couple fellas, right? And then Grassi's also up there with them. And then prior to that, I've seen a bunch of different people. There's also um, uh, Brady from the Green Bay Packer Nation Facebook group I mentioned was up there. The, one, the, the, the really cool thing about it is, you know, again, I, I kind of mentioned my. Um, distaste of some of the guys that are sort of the blue checkmark folks that are doing this stuff more regularly, but it, there seems to be somewhat of a takeover of just sort of the smaller accounts. And granted, some of the smaller accounts are getting bigger. Nagler was a smaller guy. Andy Herman was a smaller guy. And now they're they're blue checkmark guys. Maybe not in terms of personality, but you know. I'm just saying it's kind of nice. Um, I even noticed that they were, t- I forgot, I was like, oh man, I should be checking their accounts. They're tweeting stuff out too. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's a cool feeling that Sort of the underground people that just kind of make their own way are kind of making their own way. It was kind of neat. I don't know. Also backs up my point that there's really nothing that those blue checkmark guys do that just average Joes can't do, right? Mm -hmm. Just people that like the Packers going to training camp, tweeting about what's going on. I mean, anybody can do that, right? Anybody can ask Packers questions at press conferences. And personally, I would prefer if a lot of those content creators that are there were the ones doing that more prominently and had the blue check marks and the followings and went on ESPN and whatnot, but you know it is what it is. And who knows, maybe they end up getting big and turn into, you know, not nice people. So maybe I get big and turn into a jerk too. I don't know. We'll see. Let's how about let's run that experiment. Let's do what we can to promote this podcast just to see if I become a total jerk. There's not there's not that low of a probability that I become a jerk. I don't think it's super high. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm doing all right. I mean, I would absolutely, I'm pretty ruthless when it comes to people that are, are disrespectful to me directly. And so that's only going to get worse if I get bigger, but I don't really see me seeking anybody out. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we won't, but maybe we will. I don't know. Anyways, sometimes I forget we're doing a podcast and I just start kind of talking to myself and you guys are still sitting here. I don't know why you're still sitting here, by the way. Do you, do you have nothing to do with your life? I'm trying to go to bed. Okay, so if you guys could maybe get your stuff, head on out of here. Eh, no, you know what? I am a jerk. (laughs) You guys have yourselves a great whatever day it is. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.